mate, Tom Panos, John McGrath, get ready, Troy Malcolm, <laughs> special show today, we've got uh, Troy, he didn't get us the microphones yet, but the good news is he's come back with some great scoops on whether you're being valid or obsolete, and we have sent him overseas to Asia to come back with that information, so we're really going to look forward to hearing from him, but to start off with, John, today I hear you've done a talk, call it a motivational talk, call it just a discussion with the South Sydney Rugby League Club. I want to hear about this. Yeah, well, I mean, most people know I'm a Bunnies fan and, and some know I'm on the board of South Sydney, so it's a great, that's a great honour. Um, and it's, as they say, everyone's favourite second team or second favourite team, hopefully. But I, this morning is interesting because most of my audiences are obviously business audiences and my own team or other people's teams. And so I went into a slightly different environment, which was talking to a bunch of great young guys who are first-grade footballers. I can just picture them there, the Burgess boys, 110 kilos sitting sitting up there strong, and uh, and there you were about to tell them how to get more listings. What did you say to them, John? Well, they were, they were all there, and they're very good boys. They're all gentlemen. So it was... Look, the interesting thing, Tom, because my, my career started in football and sport in the early days and then went into real estate, and I, I found the parallels between being successful, say, in a, in a sport versus a business are almost identical. You need preparation, planning, attitude, visualisation, accountability, extra effort, all of those things. So I guess my story to them was the stuff that I do every day is really applicable to what you do. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be organised. You've got to have a plan. You've got to visualise the outcome. You've got to review your performance on a regular basis, all of those things. So it was really good. And at the end, which I normally do in small workshops, I went around the room and I said, you know, so what did you get? What, what, what you know, really hit home for you? And there was two things in particular that most of them referred to in different ways. One was I talked about thinking bigger. So in my world, it's how do I become the best agent in the world, which is not what most real estate agents think of. They think about how can I make a sale or two a month. So I talked to them about elevating their thinking, and for them it would be playing for Australia or New Zealand or being the best footballer in the world or whatever that is. So they really liked that, and there was one young guy at, at the back that, that uh, he was a very sort of shy, gentle guy, and he said to me, well, I used to dream of playing for my country. And he said, because a lot of my mates and my family and friends sort of said, oh, that's not going to happen, don't, don't get disappointed. He said, I lost that dream for a while. He's only a young kid, he's, he's probably a late teen, early 20s. And he said you've just given me that dream back and no one's going to take it away from me ever again. And it kind of almost brought a tear to my eye because that's what I'm about is making sure people don't short sell themselves on what's possible. So that was one. The other one that really hit home with the boys and they were, they were very honest about it was um, one of my favourite topics which is ruthlessly eliminating excuses. Yeah. And a lot of them, I got them to do a personal audit and score themselves 0 to 10 on a range of key areas and a lot of them scored themselves a 4, 5 and a 6. And they said, you know, we're making excuses. We're, in some areas of our life, we're operating at a suboptimal level. That's my words, not theirs, but below our best is really what they said. And we've got to stop making excuses because we know that we can all be 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 in the key areas, training, off the field, how do, how do we act, nutrition, fitness, um, game day preparation, all of those things that are important for a footballer. Um, we can be doing it at a better level. So I, that was also Because footy players do make excuses, don't they, John? I mean, what, what are some of the things that you think that are a story that some players tell them about what they've got to do? Oh, well, look, I, I think people in general make excuses, Tom. Real estate agents do. It's one of the great diseases out there. And, and making excuses really gets you nowhere. Owning a result and saying, you know, I'm better than that. 
So, you know, they, well, you know, one of them was talking to me about his diet and he just said, well, you know, I, I don't eat as well as I should. I'm a professional athlete, so I put, should put quality fuel in my body every day. And he said, to be honest, John, two or three times a week, I'm eating takeout and not very good takeout, sort of fast food type of stuff. And he said, I used to say, well, my family was eating it. It was easy. I was tired after training. It's, it's not expensive. And he said, all of those things, all they are is excuses. He said, I should be going down the store and getting fresh fruit and vegetables on a daily basis and putting that in my body, not fast food. So it, it was just, it was really touching because these are, these are good kids. A lot of them have come from very much working class families and, and some of them even, you know, quite challenged and troubled beginnings, especially in our, our precinct, you know, sort of South Sydney is a working class area. Yeah. And some of the football teams are represented predominantly by a middle class area and middle class families. A lot of the, the kids from South Sydney's had a very tough beginning. So it was really uh, very touching to do that. So that was fun and that was a tiny contribution that that uh, well, we get to make. Well, John, there's uh, to our, uh, our listeners, to our scoops, we're always going to give you scoops. If you've got a lazy $20, go put it on South Sydney 13, <laughs> 13 plus, 13 plus this week because they're going to get the best version of themselves and this guy's going to have eaten a world-class diet. So exactly, there's our tip. We're going to make your money in real estate and outside of real estate. So uh, Troy Malcolm's also been out and about. He's gone a bit further than uh, uh, Redfern, John. Redfern, yeah. <laughs> He's gone out to uh, China. He was uh, Shanghai, Troy. Yeah, correct, John. Uh, sorry, Tom. Tom. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, you were there away on a conference, and one of the things that you said as uh, I walked in today is um, talk about as an agent, are you valid? And can we touch on that subject? Because it's really good, because I think the market's changed, but have real estate agents changed with the market? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And looking at a recent study that REA um, completed, they said that 68% of vendors found that choosing an agent was the most difficult part in the process of selling their property. Now, how does that relate? It's really interesting statistics, isn't it? It is. Seven out of 10 people, the hardest part of selling your home is differentiating and choosing who's the best agent. And yet our whole business, John, that we talk with our agents, we say that that is the number one most important thing. Your ability to get a listing versus your competitors yeah. is what it, this whole game or this career is about. So, Did they drill into that, Troy, or that, any more detail? Well, they went into a, a little bit of detail around it reflects on your online, your offline, and making sure they're in line um, with what you're doing. Like so that. in saying like that... that um, John, it's really looking at what's your presence like on the major real estate portals? What activities are you producing online um, to create engagement with that user? And is your, I guess, Troy, your experience or the customer's experience when they look at your signboard, when they turn it, you're open, when they look in the local paper, they look on realestate.com or domain.com or whatever, is it all consistent? Uh, and does it all take talk the same language? I think that's a Correct, because if it's not consistent, you've got to ask yourself the question, is that a bigger risk of being of having activities on those platforms and not achieving what you're actually aiming to do by being having a presence? I, I, I think to our listeners there, um, what Troy said is a very good bit of dialogue that you can translate to a vendor that a vendor can understand, and that is that in the new world of Google, it means that everything is out there Say to the vendor, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, or John and Sally, because everyone can see everything, whether it's in the paper, on domain, realestate.com, social media, we've got to make sure that your offline and online are in line. And I think a nice, sharp statement like that can explain it a lot better than a thousand words does. So... 
John, your idea about you know real estate, the game's the same, which is get listing, but the rules have changed. What well, do you well, see? I mean, the world's changed so much, and you know, Troy was sort of talking a bit about this, but we've now got Gen X and Gen Y that are very different to, you know, if you're 40 plus or 50 plus, and many of us in the real estate industry out there are, we're now dealing with a whole new set of generations, two generations, that want to be treated and dealt with and have different expectations. So I, I think that's really uh, that's really a critical thing that we need to to address. I mean, one of the things, for example, we were just chatting offline before earlier is people's expectation around speed. I mean, in the old days, someone would say, look, could you shoot me a contract? And if it arrived by Friday in the mail, five days later, they were kind of pretty happy. Nowadays, they say, can you shoot me a contract? And if it's not in their inbox in 20 or 30 minutes, they're ringing up saying, where's the damn contract? So if you're an agent and you haven't caught on to some of the differences in expectation, same with information. I mean, there are a lot of agents that I talk to and they say something like, oh, well, look, you know, I, I prefer to keep the information so they have to ring me and then I, I, I can then give them the information. Well, I'm sorry, that's not what people want nowadays. They want to go onto the web. They want to get all the information that's important to them. And when they're ready, they want to ring you. So, as Troy, as you talk about being valid, it's very easy to be a dinosaur and invalid nowadays by thinking that you control the power and that you control the information. And if they really want me, they'll ring me. And I don't want to give them price because I want them to ring me. Well, guess what, man? Realestate.com are telling us statistics that they're, they're not ringing you and they're not turning up at your inspection. And a large percentage of them are not clicking on your property on REA or on domain, they're just going straight over to the next one. So, you know, that's really critical. And I think, Troy, did they talk about that over there in terms yeah, of web was, experience? Yeah, it was interesting to look at um, price guides as an issue and what that actually meant. Well, the time it takes to actually reply to those price inquiries, it's the most standard thing on REA and domain. Is that the most standard say, request for the people? The most standard request. Yeah. Can I please have a price guide or can right. I please have a floor plan? Um, it's a complete waste of time when you think about the amount of energy that the agents would be spending. You're going to give them to them anyway. You might as, as well put it on there. Yeah. yeah, so you might as well be as transparent as possible and put it on there. So little tips like that, I think, will make the biggest difference. But there was a lot of issues that were touched on over there that I think we could probably delve into. What um, about China itself? I mean, that's a big thing for all our listeners, I'm sure. I mean... I, I was about to go, and my, I haven't been on there yet. I'm going to make my first trip there, and I'm actually fascinated as to why you went and not me. But anyway. <laughs> we won't go into the, the details of that. That'll go offline. We can discuss that. You've got to know the right people. Um, what, I mean, what was your view? What, did they, what was your takeaway? I mean, it's clearly a huge market that wants to buy and invest in Australia, if not move here. I mean, did you get a sense of, of any closer to what, what are the Chinese looking to do, how big this is going to become? Well, looking at the, especially in Shanghai, where we were based, um, they work on a 70-year leasehold model. Mm-hmm. And now their apartments and their housing is very small. Um, and they've got a strategy where the government can repossess those housing um, estates and move them on to the next one so they can redevelop the land. So if you look at the opportunity of where they see value in Australian property is that they Free can up. actually come and buy here and have that for many generations to come. And not only that, you've got the pollution issue and and the greenery and the schools and the education process that we have here, it's a very, very um, exciting opportunity for them to make that transition. 
the interest in Australian property over there, well, the MyFun um, website that REA have launched, they had a presence at the exhibition that I went to, and that was being inundated with people. So there's yeah. an appetite for property. I so don't this REA's uh, released a, a Chinese, it's, it's focused on Chinese buyers, but really promoting Aussie properties, right? Promoting Australian properties in China. <laughs> Yeah, um, so there's a healthy appetite for those properties over there. Um, will it take time to progress? Yeah, I, I think it will take a little bit of time. The stats come in from my fund. They've only been live for 105 days, and they're getting roughly about 2,000 people a day coming mm-hmm. to their site. I think that'll that'll increase as more and more mainland Chinese become aware of their website. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, I, I think the key message for all of our listeners here is yeah, you know, how are you standing out? And Tom, you know that seven out of ten statistics pretty compelling. So that's saying that it's not that easy to differentiate because a lot of agents turn up and say something that sounds pretty similar to the person that just left an hour ago. So I think for us to be able to help our listeners with some ideas on is how do you set yourself apart? Yeah. What are the things you can do? Because if you turn up there and say I'm going to open it for inspection three times and then I'm going to take it to auction, I'm going to put it in the Wentworth Courier and on REA. That's probably what the last person said. So where is, and I often talk, Troy, about value add. I mean, where's the value add? And some of the things that come to mind for me, price guides. We use a strategy that we know every buyer wants, which is price guides, so that's yeah. important. Two is a big thing right now is online video. Um, we're, we're really launching into it, and I think we've had, Troy, a few thousand, up already two or 3,000 know, on our website so far, but we want that number to multiply significantly because... We think that people online nowadays are getting a bit sick and tired of static content. They actually want to watch videos. And I'm the same. If I go to a news website to look at, get some news on something, I just click on the video. I don't want to read two pages. I just want to see a one-minute video telling me what's happened. So I think that's really critical. Um, Obviously, things like styling. um, How do you present the home? Because presentation of a property is key. So these are some of the things. And I think the other thing is just value-add constructive advice on what to do. A lot of agents go there and they're like, yes, people. Oh, no, your home looks beautiful. No, I wouldn't touch it. Mm. I don't think, no, you're right. We don't need to spend much money advertising. Yes, I'm sure we'll be able to get you a million dollars. And they just agree with everything and somehow think that's going to differentiate them. And I think, John, what actually happens is because the consumer is a lot more intelligent because the real estate agent isn't the gatekeeper of information. In fact, I would say and propose that most vendors not only know what the agent knows because they've got Google, they actually know what the other competitors are doing because they're getting two or three proposals of other agents, whereas an agent lives in their own world and looks Mm -hmm. at it through their eyes. But I can't help but thinking, a vendor said to me three weeks ago about why it was an auction, and I asked him, how was the experience? He said, it's really good. He said, you know, there was an instant at the listing when I was talking to the agent where I felt... I've got a good feeling about this person. Mm. And I can't help but think that every presentation at some point, when you go through and you demonstrate value add versus agreeing with the vendor, vendors begin to say, I've got a good feeling about this person. They're not just saying things because they want the business. They're actually taking a leadership role and telling me what's right for me and not what's easy for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It's so easy to just nod your head and agree, but that doesn't differentiate. Now, I'm not saying be contrarian for the sake of it, but often when someone says, you know, do you think I should present my home in a different way? Well, people are scared to say, you know, Tom, I really think there's some opportunity where we can present it in a better light to the market. 
um, without offending. I mean, we're not here to offend anyone or bruise them with, with, with the information, but you can get the information across, I think, in a sophisticated and subtle way. So point of difference, you know, are you valid? Well, you're valid if you actually know who you're selling to, you know who's buying from you, and you know what they want. Yeah. Unless otherwise, you're going to be a dinosaur. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's important to look at that and say, um, not being a dinosaur and looking at it from a different point of view. When you think about Gen Y, Gen X, and the way that they're going to be buying property in the future, um, agents need to look and put their buyers' hats on and look at it from their point of view and also the vendor's point of view to say, well, what do they really want? And get away from that real estate jargon that we've been taught traditionally for so long. And I think that'll have the greatest effect in the oh, one, future. One of the, you're right. One of the greatest exercises I encourage all agents to, even if you turn around and sell the damn thing in three months is go and buy a property yeah buy an investment property if you're buying a new home feel how frustrating it is to leave a busy day go and to inspect a property and have an agent's 10 minutes late you want to throttle them before they get out of the car yeah um feel what it's like to go in at night you've had a long day you go home and you want to look at the internet before you go to bed just to check if anything fits or you look at your realestate.com alert and you click it on and there's 12 properties and there's only three of them with prices yeah. How frustrating is that? And then the next morning, you've got to get up and going again. So um, I think it's a really good exercise to do that. And indeed, if you want to well, select it. What other. do they say? You can't describe what chocolate tastes like unless you eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saying with a bowl of chocolate. With a bowl in front of Picnics and Snickers. <laughs> so, John, we're going to finish off. We've got about one or two minutes, a lot of talk on my site about Kirsten Mueller's video blog that went up. Um, the thing that got people interested was she went from being a $40,000 a year truck driver in the Army in the army, yep. to now being on target this financial year to ride $1 million yep. in gross commission incomes. She's not working in Double Bay or Turak. Hornsby. She's working in Hornsby. Which is a beautiful area, but you're right. The average price is... is Probably half what our, our group's average. I think she said to me, eight to nine hundred is the the yeah. level that she's she's uh, selling at. Uh, John, the first thing that comes to my mind is: Do women make good real estate agents versus guys? Is there advantages um, girls versus guys? I think anyone can make a great agent, but there is a long history of extremely successful women in our company and in our industry. And what I'd like to look at if I'm, I'm there, whether I'm a woman or not, doesn't really matter. I think what's important is why do women make such good agents? And I think it comes down to relationships. I think women innately and, 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 and over many, many years have been terrific at building relationships. They've sort of been the glue in the family and, and, and they have a bit more patience in, in building relationships over time. Guys can be a bit transactional. It's kind of in and out and, and are we going to do this deal or not? Do you want to buy this place or not? Women tend to build the relationship and understand where a buyer or a seller are coming from, listen to them. Guys are not that great listeners overall. And I know I'm generalising. Three of us, of course, are brilliant listeners. <laughs> but, but, you know, it is, it is real that there are, I think there are some fairly innate traits that women have, and I think relationships, uh, multitasking, empathy, listening, these are things that, whether you're a man or a woman, you better be good at them. Um, but the, there are some of the reasons, and I know that you know, Kirsten, she's just a gem. She's a beautiful person as well as a dynamic agent, and, and we're very proud to have her on the team. So that is one of the great success stories in the history of our company, someone that's come from a totally different background. Um, so she starts in real estate. You know, she used to drive a truck in the Army. 
She's now on track to do a million dollars, and she does it gracefully. And she's going to be at Eric, so hopefully, you know, if the listeners, I know many of you are already booked into Eric, but if not, um, come along and... Um, yeah, we're only a, a couple of weeks away, John, that, you know, largest number to date, uh, year on year. Um, so it's a, a really, really great time. And I think uh, when we finish on that topic about females, uh, you can't get over the amount of ladies that have gone off and had kids come back yeah. and they come back and they write extraordinary figures yeah. they don't have what you hear in the corporate world the glass ceiling yeah. or the difficulty to get in the boys club because one of the beautiful things about real estate uncapped earnings your group certificate doesn't lie it tells you what you're worth and that's why a lot of women well, it tells you what value you've been adding correct it, you know and how many people you've helped that's right So we're going to leave it at that. We will see you next week, Troy. It's been a pleasure having you. And uh, keep your eyes on those NRL scores, everyone. Let's see how good John was. Go the money. (laughs) See you until next time. It's been Troy Malcolm, John McGrath and Tom Panos. See you later.